This is Lee Moore Daphne from NEJM Catalyst, and today I'm speaking with Dr. Bob Galvin. Bob is the CEO for Equity Healthcare and an operating partner at Blackstone, an investment firm. He's a physician who's been on the purchasing side of healthcare for years, first with GE and now in his current role. Uh, he's responsible for purchasing healthcare services on behalf of tens of thousands of employees for about 50 mid-sized companies that Blackstone invests in. So he's pretty familiar with the role of employers in the purchasing space and has published quite a bit in this area. That's the perspective I'm tapping today for this interview on next generation consolidation. So Bob, thanks for taking my call today. Terrifically more. Uh, I wanted to kick it off by asking about one of the biggest, most exciting next generation consolidation slash entry announcements we've heard about, and that's Amazon, Berkshire Hathaway, JP Morgan. They say they're going to team up and do something great. What are they going to do? Well, that, that's the question, isn't it? Uh, of all the press announcements I have seen over the past several years, this was one that took a lot of uh, reading and rereading to try and figure out what they were saying. And in the end, I'm not sure they know yet. Um, so I have seen a lot of these, Lamore. So I am thinking back over 25 years, I have seen at least 10 times distinguished employers understandably get frustrated with the value of the healthcare dollar they're getting for their employees, talking together saying, we have now had it, enough is enough, we're going to take this on. Uh, and uh, it has been very, very difficult to see much success from any of those efforts and, and for several reasons. So I really, I understand that these are three actually very impressive leaders I get their frustration. I like their commitment to change, but I've got to tell you, right now, uh, it feels a lot like Groundhog Day. I hear you on that. And some choice words from Warren Buffett uh, are that he wants to do something about this hungry tapeworm on the American economy. So that's a lot of frustration. Frustration is not a solution. Um, but let me ask you, if you were these three folks, do you have ideas on what you would do? Yeah, I, uh, I do have some ideas. The first thing I would do if I were them is look back and say, why have so many similar efforts not worked? And I can enumerate them all the way back from the big four in Cincinnati when employers were dominant in a specific location to a couple that I've tried, Massachusetts Healthcare Purchaser Group, et cetera. And I think that, you know, a common, the, the most salient common cause for why they haven't worked is that the leaders of the companies have not had the staying power to see through changes. When these leaders face healthcare management, uh, as good as they are at their commercial businesses, they are going to be facing a different and more difficult beast than they have seen before. Measures are murky. It's hard to know if you're actually saving money or not saving money. The people who make decisions inside companies, benefit managers, frequently don't have the support of senior management to kind of, kind of make decisions that make some employees unhappy. Employees as consumers don't always act rationally. Uh, they don't really seem to pursue quality data. Uh, and on the supplier side, 
it is very hard to get uh, kind of positions and the organizations they're part of act uh, to market principles. So I think what they need to do is they need to stay in charge of this. They can give it to a lieutenant, but they cannot let it regress to the mean in terms of who's going to run it. And they have to really have staying power. They have to stay at the helm of these things because in every case before them, uh, that really hasn't happened. Honestly, other than the business I run, Equity Healthcare, where Steve Schwartzman, the CEO of Blackstone, has been a steadfast supporter of the group purchasing that we do, and I think responsible for the results we've had. But you've got to have that leadership, and they cannot underestimate how long it's going to take or the fact that they're going to see different dynamics than they've ever seen in their businesses before. Let me ask you this. This is not the business that they're in, okay? But uh, they decided to, in you know, the economist vernacular, forward integrate into more active purchasing of healthcare, which most companies outsource. So since you are, are playing in that same space, if you had to give them some you know, specific guidance beyond commitment of the leadership on top, um, what should their team look at first? So here's what I would do if I were them. The first is realize that as big as they are, they don't have the volume to actually do anything nationally. I mean, healthcare is still a very local game. Uh, and kind of where they have their biggest collection of employees, they're not going to be big enough to kind of really impact uh, the kind of the either the insurers or the providers given all the consolidation out there. So they're going to have to focus on kind of a multiplier effect. And I think the reason that I find this particular effort so interesting is Amazon and Jeff Bezos. So if I were them, I would basically get in a room and I would look to Jeff Bezos and his strategy team and say, we have an opportunity for you, Amazon, to kind of disrupt healthcare kind of in a way that could make a difference. Because if we do this the way employers have always done it, put leverage on employers, go direct to kind of provider systems, et cetera, why are we going to have a different outcome than any of them have had before? So I think the wild card is Amazon's commercial interests and their appetite and willingness to get in there and really try and disrupt healthcare. Now, that makes sense to me. That's how this effort could potentially be different. We've heard a bit about Amazon entering the pharmacy business. I want to set that aside. On the service side, is there something that you think is ripe for an Amazon-type disruption? Well, you know, I have thought a lot about this. I think everyone is trying to think this through. And so try on this kind of, um, I don't know if it's an idea or a fantasy. But what Amazon has that no organization has had before in healthcare is this access to consumers and this trust of consumers. So imagine this. I am on Amazon looking to buy a book or whatever it is I'm going to buy this, I'm going to buy some kind of electronic piece of equipment. And they know that I looked because I had uh, back pain. So they know I had looked for either back braces or something before. And now something pops up to the side of my screen, the way that things pop up. And it's kind of an advertisement from a group of providers who specialize in low back pain, or imagine that it's diabetes. And they're willing to offer me, oh, I don't know, a free brace, a free massage. 
but they want to talk to me. Now, maybe behind the scenes, this provider group has worked out a deal with a TPA or an insurer to take risk on the patients. And they're willing to kind of have an arrangement where they'll kind of, you know, take the risk for the cost for a patient as many provider groups are trying to do. Uh, But what you have with Amazon, the potential is getting to the consumer in a trusted way. Today, those organizations that are trying to do that and disrupt just get crowded out by kind of the very large insurers and the very large other provider organizations. So I'm imagining a way that Amazon, which has gotten very good at kind of knowing what it is I want to buy, even when I'm there to buy something else, uh, if they can tap somehow into the parts of healthcare where people spend money, and so I'm not talking about the incidental worried well. I'm talking about the people with diabetes, the people who end up getting spine surgery, et cetera, et cetera, and be a conduit to provider organizations that are taking some kind of risk, which we think has some opportunity to improve quality and decrease costs. Maybe there's a way that you could disrupt the system. Okay. So, Bob, your fantasies are kind of complicated. Let me break it apart and just ask you about a subset of it, which is, are you imagining a world where one could shop for episodes of care on Amazon? I could type in, you know what, I've been told I need a knee replacement. I'm going to go and I'm going to see all the ratings of all the people who are verified buyers of knee replacement episodes in my area. Would that be part of your vision or what, what am I missing? Actually not. It would be the opposite because people don't seek that out today. This would be healthcare. You you get consumers in healthcare interested almost incidentally. I'm on there shopping for a book, but Amazon knows that I have, you know, have a back issue because I bought a back brace. So I don't go on to shop for episodes, but I get kind of a pop-up about some organization that is in the business of treating back pain. And now I'm induced to do something about it. If it's a kind of a diabetic company, maybe they're giving away a free glucometer. They want to get my interest. So I think the more it isn't, I'm going on there to find that. That hasn't worked. This Mm -hmm. is, I'm doing something else. They know I have this other issue. I trust them because I've bought so much stuff through Amazon, as so many people have, and I'm now facing something I wouldn't have otherwise faced before. So, Bob, I know that you're concerned about total healthcare spending for the, you know, health that we actually achieve. So, can you explain to me the piece of your fantasy that prevents these organizations from just trying to get people to have their employers and insurers spend money on them uh, and therefore the providers you know, can make money off this. So we, it's not I'm that we Amazon, don't want them to make money. It's that, no, you know, absolutely. I'm, yeah. Okay. So if, if I'm Amazon and kind of I'm their partners now, so I'm really now kind of doing this because I want to kind of rationalize my employee health care costs and if I'm going to have a benefit design and kind of these organizations that are going to kind of make these offers are going to be nested in my payer in a way that is they're going to take risk on the cost. And Amazon's going to be smart enough to target me based on who my insurer is. 
as I said, it's a fantasy, Lamore. I don't know. So, I, I mean, they can figure out what brand I like of you know to buy for stock. So I don't know how unrealistic that is, to be honest. Well, what dissuades me about it is it isn't traditionally what Amazon has done. What mm-hmm. Amazon has done is dealt with the existing supplier community and made it easier for all of us as consumers to kind of find them and, and kind of the market works because it's been in, a, in, in some form of retail. This would be a lot of extra work on Amazon's part to kind of get into the delivery system. So this isn't just better access to the existing kind of bunch of suppliers. This is specific access to suppliers that are not dominant. And so it is a very heavy lift. And so in the end, I'm not optimistic. I kind of am uh, weighted against this happening, but I'm trying to find kind of a pony, uh, if you will, in uh, kind of in what otherwise I think uh, is just kind of more of the same that we're getting in healthcare. All right. So moving away from frustration and potential unicorns, uh, let's move to talking about another kind of consolidation uh, that we've been seeing, which is health insurance companies buying up healthcare delivery organizations. So a big one recently is United proposing to acquire the big medical group that that Davida. Um, had bought a few years prior. Uh, that's just one example, and you can pick any you want to talk about, but what is your thinking on whether and how that's going to transform the U.S. healthcare system? Well, there's actually almost nothing about that that makes me, as an employer purchaser, feel happy. Are you, you know, indifferent the, or are you unhappy? I'm, I'm, I'm worried. Uh, okay. I'm trying to see how that's going to translate into better value for me as the employer. And as you know, it actually is ultimately the employee uh, who we're representing, kind of who has the value bargain here. So I'm trying to figure out how if a company A, an insurer, kind of who's representing my interest in trying to control costs, buys a company B who needs to make more money every year because that's why they bought them, which generally means doing more services. I'm trying to figure out how one plus one there kind of doesn't equal 100. <laughs> or at least something bigger than two. Well, how um, about 11? Uh, you know, all so right. In other words, uh, let me give you the positive. The positive is, I think, and you brought up the case of Optum United kind of looking at buying the old health partners, DeVita. You know, what I'm hearing in the market uh, is that Optum has developed a way of helping provider groups, whether it be kind of you know the, the surgical group they bought, some of the medical groups they've already bought. They've helped them be better organized in terms of how much they're spending. They've made it more efficient organizations through better scheduling, through better billing. So I have heard anecdotally in the market, and I've spoken with some of the physicians who are in Optum who actually say their offices work better and they seem to be able to give the same amount of services that cost less money because of some of the backroom support that they've gotten from Optum. That's a positive. Uh, Now, I haven't seen any evidence on that. I haven't seen any kind of my pricing going down in any of the markets where these provider groups have been bought. But if there's a positive, it could be that. 
Well, let me let me throw a potential positive at you, and I want to hear your reaction as to as to whether we're likely as as employees to to see the benefits of this. Uh, United bought, you mentioned surgical care affiliates, these ambulatory surgery centers, some 200 of them. Now, those are lower cost sites of care for certain treatments and procedures. And if United, now that it owns uh, these affiliates, tries to steer its patients toward them in place of more expensive sites of care, because they have two reasons to do it. One is to contain costs, at least for its fully insured enrollees. And the second is to earn margins on that business. Then couldn't total costs go down? Yeah, I like that as a one-time impact, and I think that's a rationale for how you could have a positive to that. But that's kind of a one-time impact, and now you have surgical associates continuing to need to make double-digit increases in their EBITDA every year, mm-hmm. and I'm concerned about how that's going to happen. But I think you're absolutely right that moving to a lower-cost source of service does give you a one-time savings, and that part I like. Why couldn't United just do a JV with SCA to achieve that? I, I'm not sure. Remember, I believe that some of um, some of the purchasing going on there between insurance companies and provider groups is defensive. And I think that these companies are looking market by market. And I think that if there is a market where they feel like they're going to get disadvantaged, uh, because the hospitals and provider systems have become too powerful, they'll use their cash to make a purchase like this. So I think sometimes it's strategic, and other times it's defensive. And does it actually diminish the bargaining power of a dominant provider system if you buy some ancillary services in a local market? I think what it leads to is more and more consolidation. So I think we're often running on the biggest arms race I guess it's an over-consolidation race that I've seen in my career. And I think these acquisitions on one side, mergers on the other, just create more on the other side. All right, Bob. uh, I have many more questions, but I'm going to pick just one more for the couple of minutes that we have left. Uh, There is an exotic animal that is pending, and that is the deal between CVS and Aetna. So now we're talking retail clinics, pharmacies, pharmacy benefit managers, health insurance, all under one roof. What do you think uh, is going to happen as a result of that deal, assuming it goes through? What are you as a purchaser of healthcare services expecting? You know, I'm trying to find a ray of sunshine to give you in this conversation, but I have to admit this one is a head scratcher to me. So I guess the, the best case scenario is that CVS is a place that people go and trust. So it's almost like Amazon is, uh, you know, on the Internet side, a place where consumers who are sometimes patients go and trust it. People go to their drugstore. And so if you can imagine that that pharmacy recreates as kind of a health hub and takes capitation, and becomes a non-hospital-based, you know, focus of a system, you could kind of see a transformation of the delivery system to a much lower cost basis. However, I think the 
difficulty of that transformation, the cost of that transformation, the IT integration cost of that transformation just seems overwhelming to me. Um, so I think if you don't have that vision, if you don't have mini clinics becoming these health hubs and they're able to take, you know, capitation because Aetna is willing to do it, it's, it's a single company, I think what you then have is a whole complicated set of relationships between a retail drugstore, a PBM, uh, a health insurer, other relationships, you know, that the CVS Caremark had, and it just becomes a very complicated uh, merger. So uh, I, I absolutely agree that this, that's a pretty complicated proposition. Your two fantasies, the capitated health hub of CVS versus Amazon as portal for integrated care. If you had to pick one, what seems likelier? Well, I'll put it to you this way. If I had to, as an investor, go long or do a short, I'd short them both because <laughs> I don't <laughs> have a lot of confidence that either one of them, these, both of these are going to take such commitment. And let me go back to the employer side since I know it so well. The three CEOs who got together at the Alfalfa Club and, and decided, and, and Warren Buffett's metaphor was great, these are people that could change the healthcare system. So I am praying that they have the perseverance to stay involved and not send it down to lower parts of their organization. I know that they have the capacity and I know that they have the resources. The question is, do they have the tenacity? And so, honestly, I, I, I don't know which is more or less of a long shot, but uh, right now, uh, I wouldn't go uh, long on either of them. Bob, I will pray alongside you, and I expect our listeners will as well. Thank you very much for your provocative ideas today. Always interesting uh, and engaging. We appreciate it. Thank you, Lee Moore.